G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm thrilled to have Michael Yardney back on the podcast. He's one of Australia's top 50 influential thought leaders. He's once again been voted Australia's leading property investment advisor, picked that award up many times, and he's uh, he's a property expert and he's also a leading expert on psychology of success and wealth creation. So we're going to get stuck into what you need to know to master the property cycle. We're going to be going into the factors that influence the property cycle. How do we know where the property cycle is now? Some really uh, key stuff we're going to cover in there. And the lessons we've learned along the way to to know where we are and what sort of action we should be looking to take. Then we finish out by covering off what's ahead and what the market is going to do next. So it's going to be a great one. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Michael. Welcome back to Perth Property Insider. Really appreciate having you on again. My pleasure, Jared. So, 12 months of booming real estate markets around Australia. Hasn't it been an interesting year? Well, I don't think anyone would have predicted that we would have had such a great year with 20 plus percent growth in most properties and up to 30% growth in certain selected locations around Australia. I guess it begs the question, uh, where are we at in the property cycle? Because I'm already starting to see plenty of mixed media, shall we say, out there. Sure. Well, there's no doubt that we've passed the peak of the growth of this property cycle. And the peak was around March this year. And over the last couple of months, capital growth has slowed down for a number of reasons, including affordability, uh, including some concerns about rising interest rates, and including APRA sort of tapping its uh, foot on the brake pedal to slow things down a bit. But people are asking now the same question as you, Jared, is it too late? Is this Mm. the end of the cycle or or what's ahead? So, what would you say to the um, some of the commentators that think that property is going to crash in 2022? Is there any basis for that you can see? Okay. So what could cause a property market to crash? Now, that's a different question to the first mm. one, and I think it would be useful to talk about what's happening to the cycle. Uh, and so to actually give a, a spoiler up front, no, the property market is not going to crash. Let's talk about the cycle in general, and then we can actually talk about next year in specific. Would that be a good way of doing it? Yeah, that's great. And I so guess people seem this- to ask me, well, how long do cycles last? <laughs> you know, you read about the seven-year property cycle, the 18-year property cycle, and the answer is there isn't a set time. So you can't say things are going to happen in 2022 or 2023 because of a period of time. Now, interestingly, I've invested since the early 1970s, so I've invested through multiple cycles, and we had a peak. So a cycle is from one peak to the next. 2003 was a peak around Australia. Now, we're talking about Australia, Jared, rather than the Perth property cycle or the Melbourne cycle, because each state works as a different cycle. And we know Perth 
totally worked at a different cycle to Australia. But if we go back to the big picture, it was a peak in 2003, it was a peak in 2007, 2010, and the last peak was 2017. Um, and that was the peak of the property cycle on the east coast of Australia. Yes. And Brisbane and Perth, we missed out on that one, didn't we? Yes, you did, and so. that's why I'm saying each state's is a different state. So while you had some really strong growth, yes, Western Australia and Perth in particular missed out that last one. So it shows that despite us having the same federal government, the same tax rates, the same interest rate, local factors affect the property cycle. So I guess there's a good lesson to, to learn from that. So after the peak, generally we go into a slump, a slowdown where property values go down for a little while, and some properties hold their value better than others, depending mm. upon how fast it's gone up and how high property values have gone. The slump period lasts often for a number of years, mm. and then eventually buyers come back into the market, the excess stock's taken up, the government lowers interest rates to make the economy improve and increase the property market, and then there's a period of stabilisation, and then there's a slow upturn, and then there's the boom phase. But what's happened this time, again, particularly on the East Coast, Perth has definitely had a rise this year, but not to the same extent as yeah. other states. What's happened is we've actually gone from the difficult times, partly because of COVID, partly because of the federal election in 2019 worrying people, partly because of APRA um, slowing things down. So from 2017, a few stops and starts, and then in October 2020, I called the bottom of the cycle, and I was right for once, and, and so we've gone straight into the boom stage. So I see this particular cycle, Jared, being shorter, we've sort of missed out a little bit mm. and shorter, faster, quicker, and it's unsustainable at the levels of growth that we've had in many parts of Australia. So we're probably not going to see that three and a half year, no. you know, sticking to the rule of three and a no. half years uh, up and three and a half years down or sideways this time. Unlikely, Jared. I think you're right. The cycles are driven by a whole lot of socioeconomic factors. Big yeah. one, though, is the flow of credit, the availability of credit, but it's also a lot to do with consumer confidence. I mean, there are other factors uh, And I think well. the confidence side especially is why Sydney, Melbourne, and to a lesser extent Brisbane has really uh, surged where Perth has languished a bit. Just anecdotally speaking to everyone, speaking to business owners, speaking to clients over here in Perth, we're coming off of very difficult times. There's a scepticism in the air. The confidence is really only just starting to get back and then we look ahead and we see some headwinds. So that is a massive factor. What, what are some Very much other? so. Consumer yeah. confidence um, is fickle and the longer you've had a difficult time, the longer it stays in your memory, the mm. harder it is to break out and start developing confidence because every time people in Western Australia have and you think, hey, this is the end, it's all going to pick up, it <laughs> comes and knocks you again, doesn't it? We <laughs> Whether it's knocks. coronavirus <laughs> or then the Delta strain or now the latest strain uh, or uh, when we get all of a sudden iron ores, okay, now China's yeah. fighting against us. Um, and so the more difficult times you've had, the harder it is to get that consumer confidence, isn't it? Yeah. What are some of the other factors that go into influencing sure. that property cycle? Because well, it's good to have them on our radar. Of course. Well, interest rates, as I started to say, are important. Mm. So when interest rates fall 
and funds are readily available. That's a major driver in property demand. When money's cheaper, you feel more comfortable, you can spend more, you can borrow more. Mm. The alternative, the opposite, isn't exactly right. So people are saying interest rates are now going to go up, and because if interest rates go up, uh, house prices are going to fall. Well, there's been studies done over the last few interest rate rises and, in fact, property values didn't drop straight away again. Uh, it doesn't work exactly in reverse. But it's not just interest rates. It's also the availability of money. And yeah. so that's where APRA is making it harder. Even re more recently, they've talked about not just the 3% buffer, but now about giving different interest rates to home buyers compared to investors because they perceive investors are more risky, uh, different interest rates to people who've got bigger deposits mm. than others. So it's the availability of money the, that makes a difference. Potentially imposing a borrowing cap, and there's talk of of that, as to, and that could limit, I guess, the total mm -hmm. borrowings that mm -hmm. an investor or homeowner mm. can, can take. Yes. So. so interest rates and money is a big factor. The economy is another big factor in what drives property cycles. Confidence, as we said but also business confidence, employment prospects, jobs growth, wages growth. If you feel confident in your finances, in your financial position, Jared, you're more likely to buy a house. Now, we think a lot like investors, but remember 70% of properties are bought by owner-occupiers and they won't make a big decision if they're not sure about their financial security. Mm. So again, with the economy in Western Australia, languishing and not doing as well as other parts of Australia, that's one of the reasons people didn't take that big step, even though the interest rates were as cheap for you as they are for me. Supply is the yeah. other big one, isn't it? Yes. I mean, at the times during booms, people overbuilt. All those high-rise towers that turned up in Western Australia, not only there, of course, not only in Perth, but in other parts of Australia too, and all of a sudden, who's going to fill them all? Yeah, and I think all the capitals seem to have had a, a problem with the CBD apartments, especially mm. when mm. Um, coronavirus impacted that demographic of buyer mm. and renter the most, didn't they? Yeah. Well, that's another good point, demographics, because in particular, household formation. So we talk a lot about population growth and the fact that more people need more houses, but it's actually not as much more people because if you have a baby, you've got nothing increase your family by 50%, so to speak, or a third, I guess. But that doesn't mean you need another house. So it's really how many households are formed. And what's helped us through the last couple of years, Jared, when we haven't had immigration coming to Australia, is the household formation from the millennials and many of them moving from apartments into household formation mm -hmm. age now, and partly with regard to uh, the changes with COVID and wanting Zoom rooms and different sort of accommodation, that's underpinned our property markets around Australia. So demographics is one of the other big factors driving property cycles. Yeah, good one. So that make, all makes a lot of sense. So how do we actually start to know where we are in, in the property cycle? Well, I think the first lesson is to remember that there is a property cycle. So for a lot of more beginning investors, they won't know the difference. Yeah. Um, and in Western Australia in particular, the market has been flat for a long time. So where, where's the cycle? The main cycle, of course, happens because we're human. We tend to share the same optimism 
or pessimism. Uh, and as I said, it's not because of a period of time. It really is to do with when we hear the news is good and when we see property values going up, and that's happened particularly on the east coast of Australia this year, and you read that your house is worth so much more, the wealth effect kicks in and you overspend, you buy more, you upgrade your home, you invest. And so the market tends to overshoot. But then when the next stage of the cycle happens and you hear all the bad news, it, it, and it, it sort of undershoots as well. So the first lesson, I guess, from the past is, A, there are cycles. The next one to help understand is that what the market usually thinks, where we are in the cycle, what the commentators think is usually mm. wrong. It's so hard to tell in the middle of it, boy, is it easy to look back and say, oh, clearly the market bottomed then, or clearly the market topped then. Uh, But we've been both around long enough to know (laughs) that the the rearview mirrors are easier to look through than the the, 2020 vision in hindsight. Isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I think the other big lesson, of course, is there isn't one property market. So generalise, the media talks about the Australian property market. But even in Western Australia, even in Perth, there isn't one Perth market. There's the house and land market. There's the new home buyer market. There's the established market. There's the apartment market. Um, and there's the high end, which works at a totally different cycle to, to the more average and lower suburbs as well. And maybe one last factor I think it's important to remember I learned about it many years ago, is the concept of an X factor. And I'm not Mm. talking about the TV show, that music show. I'm talking about the fact that every year something comes out of the blue, unforeseen, uh, that blows the most best forecasts out of the water. Uh, Some people call it a black swan event. Now, I'm not talking about coronavirus. That's that one in a decade where the world breaks and every decade or so, the world does break. Something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, The global financial crisis, 9-11, coronavirus. But there are smaller things, like uh, the election that no one thought the uh, government would win. Yeah, with the negative hearing proposals on the table, you know, that upset us. Sure. Uh, uh, There's lots of them going back, isn't there? mm, In in fact, uh, I learned about this from an economist, Don Stammer, who used to write what was the BRW uh, that then was taken over by the Financial Review. And every year he tried to predict the X factor for the forthcoming <laughs> year. And it was a fun little competition one would have to see what is it. But by definition, it's unforeseen. You don't know what it is. You can't predict it because if you would, <laughs> it wouldn't be an X factor. So I think the big X factor for last year, 2020, was the coronavirus. And if you think about it, this time last year, we thought we were over it. We thought it was all okay. So the de- X factor for 2021 is the Delta strain of the coronavirus. Mm. Um, what's going to be for 2022? Is it going to be this new uh, Omicron one or not? I don't Look, know. there's always uh, fears on the horizon, and that's something I've learned as an investor over the many cycles. And, and some people can spot every one of them and find many reasons not to act, regardless of where we're at too. So it's hard to find the balance between knowing what to be cautious of and, you know, fear-mongering and getting stuck in analysis paralysis. Do you have any insights as to how to separate what's important? Okay, that's a good point, Jared, because there will always be reasons not to invest. And so I think successful investors actually have a multi-decade approach Mm. while the average investor thinks about the five-year time horizon and 
to be blunt, the average yeah. Australian thinks about what they're going to do this weekend. So and look, then many others are just purely speculating and trying to time the market perfectly, you know, compromising location and other, you know, parts of asset selection to try to t- get in and get out at the right time. So oh, Too hard with property yeah. where their costs of buying and selling are so much, don't even try and time the market. And, in fact, uh, the right time to buy is when your finances are right and when you can uh, afford to do things and then hold the best asset you can in, in the long term. So to answer your question also about how to avoid this fear, be careful who you listen to. It's not just the media because the media is not there to educate you. It's there to entertain you. So they love negative headlines. But there's always going to be property pessimists out there. And look, let's not name them, but they're there in the media the whole time saying 20% fall, 30% fall. Only a year ago. This year they're saying a 10% fall next year. But look at their track record and you'll see that in general they've been wrong. Now, of course, currently – there are a whole lot of people predicting what's going to happen in 2022. And there's one that's got a lot of publicity this last week. And what they've done is come up with four different scenarios. And one of them's going to be right, so they're going to be right. It's like <laughs> yes. me going to the track and bidding on every horse, and my horse is going to win. Yes. And you so probably saw I'm a fantastic punter. And all of the Perth-based media, because we're so, uh, I guess, the glass half empty as well, or maybe it's all media across Australia, I'm not sure. That That's what gets the headlines and gets the views yep. and clicks, yep. but they ran yep. with the, the most negative scenario, you know, property is going to, yeah. you know, yeah. fall yeah. X percent and, yep. you know, yep. we're all going to be underwater. So, so I think what you've got to look at is the long-term trends rather than the short-term. And over the long-term, property values have increased and in the short-term, they have their ups and downs. Now, In Western Australia, it has been for a long time because you had that significant boom that uh, where property values, to be blunt, were overpriced. I mean, there's no doubt about that. We were higher than Sydney in one stage, Michael. Do you remember? Yes, Yes, I remember that. Well, look, I also remember people uh, going up to the mines and getting jobs there uh, and getting paid so much just for doing simple things. Um, And so they had lots of money. Uh, It was, I believe, a a once-in-a-lifetime boom that's not going to be experienced again, uh, but it's a pity that some people have had to pay the price for that exuberance for a decade. Mm. So what do you think is going to happen next and should we really be paying too much attention or should we be focusing on other things? Well, I think it's important to pay attention to your money and your finances. And so what's going to happen next? I believe 2022 is still going to be a strong year for property values, but not as much growth. And the answer is that the lower growths related to partly the, the pent-up demands worked its way through. The lower interest rates where people can afford a lot more have sort of worked their way through. And we've got to realise the interest rates are low because the Reserve Bank is stimulating the economy to make inflation go up and try and boost uh, the uh, wages, try and boost employment. Recently, the government said they're going to bring 200000 people in short term, in a short period of time, not the normal migration, but visa holders, skilled 
workers. Skilled, at, skilled labour, wasn't it? That's right. And what that's going to mean is that the shortage of jobs will be taken up pretty quickly. And so, therefore, there's unlikely to be rising wages, which is one of the two factors the Reserve Bank needs to raise interest rates. So all the predictions from the bank economists and the naysayers are predicated on the fact that interest rates will go up and if that's they the do, one factor. and when they yep. will, then property values will drop. So that's the only reason they're saying property values are going to drop because mm. some people are going to get into mortgage stress, some people are going to be overcommitted. I can't see interest rate rises happening until wages go up. Because at the moment, wages have gone up about the rate of inflation. So it's actually not even real growth. And that means that uh, if house prices have gone up uh, 20%, 30%, but your wages haven't gone up much, eventually people can't afford to pay more. Mm. And that's going to slow the market down to a degree. So I can see that the Reserve Bank doesn't want to tank the property market. It doesn't want to. It wants that about as much as it wants another strain of coronavirus, Jared. <laughs> APRA doesn't want to tank the property market. It just wants to slow its exuberance down. It went overboard last time. Hopefully, the regulators have learned lessons from that. And if that's the case, then we're going to have a slowing, but not a significant drop. And then in 2023, Gee, there are so many factors that are going to happen between between now and and then. I don't even want to make a prediction. Yeah, that's that's good. So I guess it probably all comes back to the importance of asset selection then. If if you've got your financial house in order and you are looking to park your money in the best asset that you can afford, then asset selection now more than ever would be critical, wouldn't it? of reasons. First of all, properties are as cheap to hold on to today as they ever have been. With interest rates as low, negative gearing isn't a factor for a lot of people because rents are almost covering the yields anyway. Uh, And so on, on that basis, I believe that some properties are going to increase in value more strongly than others moving forward, but they always have. But I see more of a two tier property market moving forward in general, Jared, than before. See, as I said, property values are going to go up 25, 30%, not as much in Perth, but they've still done okay in Perth and wages haven't gone up. And so the average Australian worker hasn't got more in their pay packet to pay more. On the other hand, the knowledge workers, the higher income earners, they have got more. They've got multiple streams of income. Business people have got shares and dividends and business income and property income. So the rich are going to get richer. That's a concern, and that's a different social argument to discuss at a different time. But they're going to still want to live near the Perth River, near the beaches, near the CBD, in the lifestyle areas. The rich aren't going to buy secondary properties. And so, therefore, I believe that in Western Australia, as around the rest of Australia, uh, as we move through this cycle, some properties are going to keep increasing. And in the next year or two, affordability is going to stop other people. As for property investors, don't get stuck at the end of this cycle with the wrong sort of property. You need an A-grade asset, like you said, Jared. And I do like Warren Buffett's quote and paraphrasing here, but when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked. Very and, much uh, so. That's really stuck with me. <laughs> the other quote of his I like, Jared, is wealth is the transfer of money from the impatient to the patient. Mm-hmm. Great place to end things on, Michael. And uh, thank you for 
taking us inside the property cycles and helping us, you know, separate the crazy media headlines from what is likely to be ahead. So thank you. My pleasure. Look forward to catching up with you again soon and we'll see if I was right or not. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks, Michael. 